Thanks for joining us today. At City Life, we have one purpose, making it easy for people to say yes to Jesus. We believe today's message will empower you to do exactly that. But remember that church is so much more than a sermon you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life. We are on the series, The Four G's of God, and today I want to talk about God is great he is great er and uh, you know it's what does what does that mean God last week Monica talked about God is good but he's more than just good he's great and you know when somebody asks you how you're doing you say well I'm good we don't always know if you're really good or you're just saying you're good or if you're lousy and you just don't want anybody to bother you anymore but when someone asks you how are you doing you say I'm great it's like, then you know, okay, they're doing good. Or great. They're great. It's be- great is better. Great is better than good. Great is better than good. And uh, God is great. Now, what, do, what does that mean? It means he's great. It means he's greater than what we, than what we are. And, you know, God is, here's some examples of how God is great. God is infinite. He's not subject to any limitations of humanity or of creation. God is self-existent. He's, he's always existed fully and completely as himself. He, he won't cease to exist. He, he never began to exist. He's always just been complete. How does that work? I don't know. I'm not great. I don't get it. <clears throat> he's immutable. He's, in, he's consistent. He's unchanging. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't change his mind about you. He doesn't go, ah, you know, I'm sick of you now, you know. It's, he doesn't do that. He's, he's omnipotent. He has all power. He can, he can exercise dominion over the entire universe. He, he, he carries out the purposes of his wisdom, governs the hearts of men, and he creates out of nothing. He can do that. How can he do that? I don't know how he can do that. That's why I'm not great. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. No one can hide from him. Nothing escapes his notice, and he's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows all things past, all things present, all things future. You say, he knows what I'm going to choose before I choose it? Yep. How? I don't know. He's great. That's, that's a pretty great thing. God is great. And, and uh, you know, any relationship... See, it's, you say, why, why do we need to know that? Well, any relationship is defined by the characteristics of the people in that relationship. And as you learn more, have you noticed this with maybe a special someone in your life, or maybe a not-so-special someone in your life, is that as you get to know them more, it changes the dynamic of the relationship, doesn't it? It changes the relationship. And it's, you know, if you've ever been in a gathering of people, maybe you're, you're talking to somebody and, and they go, well, I'm a physiotherapist. And, and so you're, all of a sudden, that, your relationship to that person changed. So, you know, I've had a soreness in my elbow right here for the last... Your relationship with people changes based on the characteristics of, of those other people. Or if you say to someone, you know, you're in, a re, you're, you're in a conversation, it's like, well, I'm a carpenter. And they're like, you know, I've got this squeak in my deck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as soon as they know something about you, it changes their relationship with you. And that's why it's important we understand who God is. Because when we understand who God is, that, that changes the nature of our relationship with God. See, if we believe that God is a vindictive meanie in the sky... Right. 
we're going to have an incorrect relationship with God. Our relationship with him won't be based on truth. It'll be based on mistruth. It'll be based on, on a falsehood. And so by recognizing these attributes as qualities of God's character that are unchanging, we can develop a relationship with God that's founded on the truth of who he is. Not just what we've been taught he is, or maybe what tradition has told us he is, or what Hollywood, God forbid we listen to them, tells us that it is. But it's but it's the truth of God's character and nature. And this is what, in, a, in Ephesians, the author says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what, the, what is the hope of God's call. He's, he's talking about bigness here. He's talking about, he's talking about the largeness of God and how God wants to move in your life in a large way. And he says, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the riches, richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working in us believers. This power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. And what, what Paul was saying here is that our, our relationship to God, it it comes directly from the understanding of God's overwhelming greatness of who he is and, and allowing that greatness and that power to work in our lives. And uh, it's, it's not just God's good power, it's his great power. It's greater than what our power is. It's greater. You know, great is a word that we use to describe something that is better than good. Great's a, a word that we use. It's when it's, and what God wants to do in you, it's greater than what you can do in your own life. God's plans for you is greater than what your plans for you are. God's strategies and his planning, they're greater than your planning and strategies. And how God works in us is greater than how we can work in us. God is good and he does good, but he's also more than good. He's great. And, if what, and what he's working to do in our lives is great. And I can hear, some of you are loud thinkers, I can hear you thinking some questions right now. If God is so great, then why, dot, 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 Phil, why did he allow this to happen to me? If God is so great, why did he allow that abuse to take place? Or if God is so great, how come my situation seems to be getting worse? If God is so great, how come when I tried to save my marriage, my spouse gave up on it? If God is so great, when I tried to rescue this relationship, it ended up exploding. If God is so great, why did I lose that friend or that family member to sickness or disease? If God's so great, then how come when I started tithing, I lost my job? If God's so great, how come when I started a, a business believing that he led me to start it, how come it went bankrupt? If God is so great, then why did you, we just... There's a whole list of things that we can put in there. And I want to I talk about that for a moment here because God's greatness is not marked by the lack of struggle or tragedy. God's greatness is not marked but by what he works in us through struggle and what he works in us through tragedy, that he works something that's greater 
than the struggle. He works something in us that's greater than the tragedy. And uh, this is that, Paul said that so well right here in Romans 8. He said, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything. So you just take that and insert whatever your everything is. Just You can fill that. God is able to orchestrate that cancer for something better. God is able to orchestrate that failed relationship for something better. God is able to orchestrate, fill in the blank. He's able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful. Everybody say good and beautiful. When we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. In other words, he can make something good and beautiful out of our messy and gucky. He can make something good and beautiful out of, out of our situations. And God's greatness works in us through these struggles. God's greatness begins to shape us and mold us and work in us through the struggle. There's a great story of a guy in the, in the Bible. He was kind of like the grandson of a hero. And uh, his, his name was Jacob. And Abraham is like, I mean, Abraham's the bomb. He is the guy. Like, he is the man of faith. He figured stuff out that nobody else figured out for, for thousands of years. Like, he was just, he, he knew, he basically figured out God would send his son to die for us and, and, and redeem mankind before, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. Abraham had it together. And he had a son who wasn't too bad, Isaac. And Isaac had a lot of things figured out too. But Jacob was an idiot. Like, Jacob was the grandson of the father of faith, uh, the grandfather of faith. Jacob, it, when he was named, he's named the deceiver. How do you like that? Like, you're, you're named right at, as you're born. This guy's going to be a turkey already, I can tell. <laughs> Just by the way he birthed through the canal, it's, he's a turkey. <laughs> I don't know how you could tell that early, but. But his name was deceiver, and he lived up to that name his whole life. He lived up to that, that name his, his whole life. And as um, he, I, I don't have time to tell his whole story, but basically Jacob is on the run. He's fearing for his life. He's, he, he's afraid that his brother Esau is gonna, going to try and kill him. And he's running from his father-in-law. He's running from his brother. He's running. He's basically running from God. He's running from everything. And, and this guy, and he, his whole life, he's just gotten through by deceiving people and being deceitful his, his, his entire life. This is kind of just how he's rolled his whole life. And he gets in this, in the, he gets in this place where he, he, falls in, he falls asleep. He's on the run. He falls asleep. And in the middle of the night, there's this man slash angel that, that later we find out was actually God himself that came in the middle of the night and began to wrestle with Jacob. Now, some of you have been in seasons like that in your life where you just, you just feel like you're wrestling. You're wrestling and you're wrestling and you're wrestling. Well, he goes through the night and he's wrestling with Jacob and this, this, this wrestling match lasts all night long. And and what happens is, is the, the morning comes and the, the, the man slash angel says to, says to Jacob, let me go for the, for the dawn is approaching. And, and Jacob says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And this is, this is what the blessing of God on Jacob's life, what it, it turned into. He says, God said, your name will no longer be Jacob or you will no longer be known as the deceiver 
but your name will be Israel, which means God contends. He's gone from this, this place where, where he's been a deceiver his whole life to the place where God is going to contend on his behalf in his future. And you know, some of you need to hear that. Through the struggle, you, you will get a new name. You will get a new identity in your life. There will be something that will be left in you that will leave you not just changed but transformed. Your life will be different. Your name, it doesn't mean you're all going to get new names. We're not going to have a little hat where you come and get a new but there will be, you will get a new identity in your life. And it's through the struggle. You end up a different person at the end of the journey. And that, that's how God's greatness works in your life. He wants to take you from what you are and turn you into some, someone who is greater than what you are. Not just, not just a change in circumstances or a relief from pressure, which we would consider the best answer to prayer, but an actual transformation of our very nature and our very, very, character, very character, a greater name, a greater identity, a greater understanding of who he is in our lives. James said it like this. He said, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulty, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Okay, I don't typically associate the greatest joys that I experience with uh, facing difficulties. I just don't do that. Sometimes these guys make connections that are a little hard to make, aren't they? But he said, you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up with you power to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and there's nothing lacking. Why, are we, why do we go through the struggles? Because God wants to release his perfection into your life to the place that there's nothing lacking and there's nothing missing in your life, in your, in your character, in your, in your experience. So we can trust in God's greatness. We can trust, we can, in the struggle, we can trust that he is in control. And when we trust that he's in control, it frees us from the need to try and control and manipulate situations or other people. We can trust we can trust in his greatness. And there's some, just some things here I wanted to, to say. Here's some things that God is, where God's greatness is greater than what we, what we are. And the first is this. God's greatness is greater than our past. God's greatness is greater than our past. He's greater than our decisions. He's greater than our skills. He's greater than our abilities. He's greater than our past choices and our past experiences. And I just want to, I want to let you know, your past doesn't need to define your future. Your past doesn't need to define, just because you, you may have had failure in the past, God's greater than that failure. You may have had disappointment in the past, but God's greater than that disappointment. God can do greater. And a lot of times we can go through life thinking, well, God can only use the decisions that I make right for good. God can only work in my life if, if I'm perfect or if I'm, you know, if I'm holy enough or if I pray enough or if, I, if I'm good enough. And, and that God can, use, God can use our failures. God can take the things 
where we've been, uh, where we've been wronged, where there's been injustice. He can take those things and work those for something better. Interesting, the same, same person in the Bible, Paul, he showed up first in the Bible as Saul. And here's, you talk about a past that you have to overcome. This is what, what he was known for he, as he shows up in the, where we first are introduced to him. He is a killer of Christians. That is how he shows up on the scene. Uh, who is Saul? Oh, yeah, he murders us. Like, he's the, <laughs> he hunts us down and kills us. And you think, well, how could God ever use someone like that? But God took him, had, he had an encounter with him and transformed him into the one of the most influential voices in church history. And again, his name was changed. He became Paul the Apostle. And, uh, you know, what, one of the things with with our past is we don't have to be great because God is great and he's greater he's greater than he's greater than our mistakes he's greater than our failings he's greater than our past experiences and God embracing that greatness changes our perspectives you know sometimes what we planned or what we wanted it didn't work out because God had something better and we can release that burden of trying to, to control or trying to fix everything on our own. Because God is greater than my mistakes. I don't have to be perfect. And this is actually, you, you talk about baptism. That's actually what baptism represents is that, that, that all of that past life, all of those, those past failings, all of those past experiences, they go down in the water and a brand new creation comes out. A brand new creation is born. It's a brand new identity. God is greater than our weakness. You know, in our human thing, in our, in our own human consciousness, our own human awareness, we're very aware of our weakness. We're very aware of our shortcomings. And, and we tend to disqualify ourselves because of our weakness. We tend to think, well, God could use me if I was just, if I just had this fixed in my life, or if I just, you know, if, if I was just better at this, God could use me except for, you know, fill in the blank, this way of thinking, or this addiction, or this way of treating others, or if I did fill in the blank, and, and it's easy to look at, sometimes it's easy to look at, you know, look at others and say, well, I can see why God would bless them, because they're spiritual, and they, like, pray lots, and they... You know, they're, they're good people. It's like, well, Mike, I can see how it, it would be easy for God to bless you because you're like a professional Christian and you, <laughs> it's, it's very true. My wife laughed at that right away. She just, oh, you have no idea what my husband's like. <laughs> or maybe you do. <clears throat> but it's easy to look at others and say, well, they're spiritual. Look at Mike, look at me and say, well, you know, you're, you're a pastor. God has to listen to you. And first of all, I do, I want you to know, for the record, I want you to know that in my heart, I, I actually am a douchebag. Like, that's, <laughs> that's, that's actually, and <laughs> I make mistakes. One of them might have just been using the word douchebag. From the stage. <laughs> but 
The second is I want you to know because I know that inside I'm a douchebag, I actually give God the place to work in my life. It's 1 Timothy 1.15, it says, Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus, you, so you're a sinner? Good. Jesus came for you. But if you're perfect, he didn't come for you. He came to save sinners. The, the Greek word for sinners is douchebag. <laughs> it's, it's actually not. It's, it's just, I have, my, I have Bible school teachers in the room. It's a little intimidating to preach in front of this, this Brian and Connie Thompson. And uh, it's, it's always a little intimidating to, to speak in front of your mentors. And Bible, Brian was my everything teacher. Uh, he, he taught us in a thing called Master's Commission, which was, yeah, just nuts. And then Connie taught Bible, the, the Bible memorization in school. And so now I'm double checking my references to make sure <laughs> that it's all correct. Bible memorization. <laughs> That was, I used to really rely on verses like Jesus wept to, to get through that one. Where are we now? 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save the imperfect. And sinners isn't just you make mistakes. Sinners is, is you fall short. You're, you're not perfect. You know you're not perfect. Jesus came to save you. And that, that verse finishes off, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the chief. I, I'm the foremost of these sinners. And, and what Jesus takes our weakness when we turn it over to him and he turns it into strength. Jesus takes weakness. Paul again here in 2 Corinthians. And this is, I want you to listen to this because this is getting close to the end of, of Paul's life here. This is getting close to the end of Paul's ministry. And he's been, he's been, he's been walking this journey for some time now. And he's, he's giving a, he, he's, he's telling about how God did not answer a prayer that he prayed. He's, he's, he's telling this church at Corinth, you know, a thorn in my flesh was given to me and I pleaded. Three times I pleaded with God to relieve me of this. And he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. My power finds its full expression through your weakness. And I just want to encourage you, you know, experiencing the fullness of Christ's power in your life, it doesn't come through you being perfect. It actually comes through your weakness. In fact, what we're good at when we have everything figured out, when we have everything together, the, oftentimes those that end up the weaknesses in our life because we don't look to God in those areas. But the areas that are weak, the areas that we, God, I'm not great in this area and I need your greatness to do something. Our weaknesses make us aware of our need for God in our lives. And so Paul went on to say, this is his perspective of weakness. He went on to say, I will celebrate my weakness for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. 
For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. And I love this last statement. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. My weakness becomes the door in which God's power can work and act in my life. God doesn't want you to come to him with everything together. He wants you to come to him very aware and very needing, very much needing his power to work in your life. Let's stand to our feet. You know, this... Paul wrote this at the end of his life. This wasn't like just youthful optimism. This was, this was him saying, you know, the weakness that when I have weakness, I know this is an opportunity to see how God is going to do something that I can't do. When I go through those situations where I don't see the answers, that's actually the opportunity for God's answers to come to my life. I, don't, I won't understand how they come. I don't always know how they're going to come. But Paul's saying, now I get excited about these situations in my life because over the, the journey of my lifetime, I have watched God come through time and time again. I've watched him transform situations. I've watched him transform people time and time again. And this is the voice of experience saying, when you're weak, let God work and watch what he does in your life. Let's bow our heads and I want to pray here today. If you're here today, maybe you're facing a situation. It's a challenging situation. It's a situation where you're saying, I, I am so weak to do anything about this. That's good because now God can work in a way that only he can work. And I want to just, I want to take those things right now and just, just pray for you. If there's a situation that you're facing, maybe it's a physical situation or a financial situation, maybe it's a, maybe it's a internal emotional situation, but you're, you're just saying, this is, a, I am weak and I don't know what to do. There's, a, there's someone who does, there's someone who is greater. And if that's you, if you'd be so bold to put your hand up, I would just so I know who I'm praying for right now. Father, I thank you for all of these, these people that, that these are the opportunities to watch you move. These are the opportunities to watch your presence for your greatness to do something greater in our lives than we could just do on our own. And Father, we commit all of these situations, whatever these situations are, whatever these hands represent, we commit these to your hand we speak your provision, your life into those situations in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And I want to pray one more prayer. And it's a, it's a prayer saying yes to Jesus. It's a prayer saying yes to following him. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, but you're here today and you're thinking, you know what? It's, it's time to say yes to him. It's time to say yes to what he has for my life. It's time to say yes to his purpose and his plan. I want to just invite you. We're going to pray this prayer together. We pray it every week. And I want to invite you to join us as we pray. And if you're here saying, you know what? I want to say yes to him. I want, I want to follow him. I want to know that I'm right with him. You can join us as we pray together. Let's pray, Jesus, I say yes to you. Would you come into my life? forgive me of my sin. I trust you with my life. I want to follow you. I want to follow your plan and your purpose 
for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor as a church to play just a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to seeing you soon here at City Life.